Okay, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9 today. And I was led to this small section because of the vital importance of what Jesus taught. And more importantly, what he lived for. You know, when we've been asked about Jesus before, and the things that normally stood out, what would we normally hear? Well, the things we'd normally hear is that he healed the sick on the spot. Uh, He made the blind see. We all remember that one where there was a demon-possessed man with a demon in him by the name of Legion, which would have indicated a few thousand demons inhabiting inside of one man. And people were scared to death of this guy. But when Jesus entered the scene and approached this man, the the demon Legion was terrified of Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love the fact that he walked on water. We really like the fact that he calmed the storm by speaking to it to be still. And his apostles even said, who is this man that even who speaks to the weather and commands it and it obeys? He raised people from the dead, including himself, after three days. See, we know the miraculous things well. They they stand out to most of us. But what he really wanted to stand out was something simple yet powerful which was the doings of a servant. You know, it it is frustrating. Uh, It is frustrating being a leader when no one wants to follow. But it's never frustrating to be a servant, especially when you're a servant leader. In our Lord and Savior Christ, he was the ultimate servant. He was the ultimate leader. And and I look at people, we're all guilty of uh, falling into performance traps rather than just enjoying it, just like Christ did. I look at the the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and as a servant, a servant of all things, all people, and all ages. See, if if we were in a synagogue in his time 2,000 years ago, uh, the rabbi that was teaching would be sitting in a special chair as the people in the congregation would be standing And then we'd have men and women who were separated on each side of the room. But what's interesting is when the multitudes followed him, and they followed him outside, and we look at the time when when Jesus fed uh, the 5,000. And what he did was he sat them all on the grass, and he fed them physically, and he fed them spiritually. See, no one was separated. What he did was he sat in Peter's boat while teaching them at eye level. As, as they sat on the ground, he was at eye level with them. And yes, we look at sheepfolds being different. But when Christ entered the scene, he brought them all together. So I pray that we will experience the same thing. Being brought together by our Lord and Savior by his word. And by fellowship. Because I love the fact that he didn't separate anybody. I, I love the fact how, when I look at King David's, one of my favorite Psalms, chapter 23. As he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And how he leads me beside still water and, and, lies, me, and lies me down in the grass. And that's what Christ did with the people. They were able to sit there in comfort. They were able to sit there in unity. And what a blessing. What a blessing to see these things. 
Because that's what he was about. He was about blessing through unity and, 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 and through being a family. So to give us a little insight of what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at uh, something that would be very typical with mere men today. And that's the outlook of being number one. Being the, the head honcho, I guess. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is going to confront his disciples on something very important. Something that, that seems to be, again, very common within the, within the hearts and in the minds of people. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. And we're going to be looking first at verses 33 and 34. And it says, Then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What is it that you disputed amongst yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed amongst themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. What is neat about what we're seeing is that we're seeing a private moment. We're seeing a private moment between Jesus and the disciples. And this wasn't a public one. As we've seen, there was a, a typical action within mere men. And that was, again, like I said, being first. Now, is, is there a virtue of being last? Well, to man and to the teachings of the world, it doesn't look at... Because the world teaches that nice guys finish last. But, you see, Christ teaches the opposite. No one was nicer than our Lord. But he didn't finish last, he finished well. The, the virtue of being last is foreign to people. Because the two words really don't seem to mix. That of the two words being virtue and last. Now, what we're going to see next is, is something interesting. Because it's, this isn't just the actions of young men who does these things. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 20. And this was a documentation from Matthew within the same thing that was going on here, but a little more was added to it in regards to the mother of John and James, the, uh, the two disciples of Christ. And it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left hand, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my Father." And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we look at even the mother of John the Beloved and James. Uh, the, she was trying to get her sons on each side of the throne. 
And I'm sure a lot of other people could look at this and say, well, what about Peter? What about Luke? Oh, she only wanted her two sons. She wasn't thinking of the others. Well, again, we look at the common nature of people. See, they kept silent out of embarrassment when he asked, what is it that you guys were fighting about on the road? See, he knew what they were doing, and they knew that he knew. The rewards that he gives is not out of favoritism, but it was out of commitment and truth. Again, being led here was vital because it's still not always being accomplished today. God's kingdom is being the servant of all. And again, what's amazed me that Christ knowing what Judas Iscariot was going to do in the act of betraying him, and when he brought them into the upper room for the Last Supper, our Lord and Savior still washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, blatantly knowing what Judas was about to do. Uh, Knowing what Peter was going to do by denying him three times. Peter was going to deny him three times as he called out. He says, you, you are going to deny me three times and you will hear the rooster crow. And sure enough, that ended up happening. But see, in Peter's mind, he said, oh no, Lord, not me. Never would I do such a thing. But it happened. But the interesting thing again is to know that Christ knew it. But still... In the, in the humble act of a slave, washed the feet of his disciples in two of them that he called out in what they were going to do. And, and that there is an amazing act. Because I'm, I'm yet to meet somebody uh, who'd be willing to do such a thing for someone. You know, no, nobody served like our Lord. Nobody forgave like our Lord did. And which is, again, the importance of what we're seeing here. Was It was about servanthood. The king of kings, lord of lords, coming down, humbling himself, making himself like nothing when he is everything, doing what he did. Let's look at verse 35 here. As I, as I mentioned it earlier, it said, And he sat down and he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, I've been in Romans a lot, in the book of Romans. And chapter 12 is always spoken loud in, in the blueprints of ministry. See, some would see Romans as the, the constitution of Christianity. Well, chapter 12 was definitely that in ministry. See, I want to remind us what was said here in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 10. And what was said is, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. 
He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly and affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another and do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. You know, it's always been amazing to see what... um, what ends up happening to people at times when they when they get into leadership and so again i mentioned about performance traps and so on and so forth and we look at the example of our lord and yet he is our master but yet he came down and did what he did he came down and, and people asked him of certain things. And he gladly did those things. And, and to me, that is an amazing thing. But you see, they, they asked out of faith, not, not out of demanding. And that's, where, and that's where he came in and did what he did with such joy. Because they knew who he was and what he was able to do. They had the faith in him. And, and so as, as being put in a form of leadership, Christ has given us a position, not of authority, but of mercy. Christ is the head. Christ is the authority. And putting shepherds in a position, as shepherds were to care and to protect... Not to dictate new authority or, or to rule over people in the form. Uh, in the form of being uh, a dictator, if you will. But in the form of a loving shepherd, as he was. You know, the Lord has taught us wonderful lessons here in this, sh- in this short section. You know, you look at John. John was one of the ones fighting amongst the others. And, and you want to know something. It's in, uh, something interesting on being last. Uh, John was the last living apostle. All the others went to be with the Lord first. He was the last one left behind. But I say praise God, because if that were the case, we wouldn't have had the books of uh, First, Second, and Third John. We wouldn't have had the book of Revelation if John wasn't the last to go. John actually got to be brought up to heaven in the spirit without having to die to observe the things which he was able to give to us in the book of Revelation. He had a purpose. He had a purpose for each one of them as he does for us. But the thing was, is, but we'd seen the acts of pride in them. You know, the fruit was, uh, the fruit was becoming a little bit rotten. <laughs> and when it rots, it's, it always starts from the inside. 
And then it gets, as it gets worse, it starts to show on the outside. If you've ever uh, observed fruit gone bad, that's exactly what happens. It's starting inside and working its way out. It's eating itself from the inside. And with ministry, you see, it's a, it's a simple example of what Christ did in the form of ministry. Is, is he, we're not doing it to use others to do our work. It's using our work for others. You know, verse 35 shows that the Lord is into character, not credentials. It's about running straight more than it is running fast. See, God doesn't build crooked roads. Man builds crooked roads. (laughs) Running straight will allow us to see the finish line better. Running fast, well, we have the easier ability of tripping that way, unfortunately. But when we run straight, and we run and we stay on that narrow path, as, as the Lord said, well, we know where we're going because you cannot get lost on a straight road. And in verse 36, it says, 36 and 37 says, Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So again, you know, the Lord takes up a child and sets him in the midst of them, which normally would not be uh, done. You know, children were not in, in regards of, uh, uh, regarded in esteem. But yet the Lord, he gave a reference to their importance. And what a blessed child, you know, to have been picked by the Lord and held in his arms. And as he gave the example, you know, when we look at kids, you see more time with kids, you know, uh, more is taught or more is caught than it is taught. They see more examples than they they hear instructions. And if, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. They'll catch more than they'll listen sometimes. But again, not to pick on the apostles, but we have the, the scriptures that showed us that the apostles kept the kids from the Lord when they came and ran up to him. And Jesus said, he said, don't keep them from me, as, as the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You know, I guess at the time they've never heard the saying that we've heard today, that God does not have any grandchildren. See, every one of us is all the same to him. And I look at myself, see, it took a while to understand this passage, because uh, we always heard people say, to grow up, you know, you're so immature. Well, if we were to look at, if we were to look at some truthful facts, let's look at some things, such as, like, who, who is it that starts wars? Well, you could see that it's normally people that, that are adults. Uh, who starts divisions? Well... That at times can happen throughout teenage to to adults. We look at crimes and acts of hatred. Well, those are normally, again, adults of all ages. See, I see what he meant. I look at in the epistle of James. When James said in his epistle, what he asked the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You you kill and you covet because you do not get what you want. You adulterous generation, he said. See, James wasn't speaking to children. He was speaking to adults. And not just adults, he was actually speaking to, a, to an established Christian church community in Jerusalem at the time. 
See, it wasn't until we grew up that we we became corrupt. Now, I've always said, hopefully people will understand why I act the way I do. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not to stay in childish ways of ungrowth. But we're to keep the innocence of a child. You know, we're not to be like, like the church of Corinth. You know, when I look at what Paul the Apostle said when he was speaking to the church of Corinth, he told them, he said, after five years, he says that you guys are still drinking milk when you should be taking in solid food. And the church of Corinth was a, was a very carnal, corrupt church in Greece. And they weren't growing. They definitely lost all innocence as children. But they remained in the... They remained in the feeding habits of a child, of an infant, is what he was saying. You know, they, they, they could have been able to tell maybe what Christ did as, as the ones drinking milk at the time. But those who were eating the solid food could tell everybody not just what he did, but what he's doing right now as we speak. And that was what the difference was in the church of Corinth. And when Christ took that child and he gave the example, he used the child in the form of innocence. See, I remember being a child, and a lot of us can. Back then, children did not really know prejudice. It wasn't until they were taught by adults. Children played with one another. They didn't care about their race, their background. There was a form of innocence there that was pleasing. People were once friends as children until they got a little older and then they started to change. And then pride and, and, and the teaching of, of adults came into mind. Hatred and prejudice was not something in the mind of a child. It wasn't until we got older and I see what Christ meant. I see now what he meant by taking that child in his arms and giving the example. Now let's take a look here at verses 38 to 41 as he says, Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not, who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who does not is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because of you belongs to Christ, as assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that every sheepfold is different until Christ enters the sheepfold. He brings everything together. See, Jesus was in a class of his own, but yet no one was ever excluded. No one was in the class of our Lord and Savior. But yet he hung out with tax collectors, which was, which was a big thing not to do amongst the Jewish community. He hung out with all sorts of people that most other normal people would never hang out with. He, he was willing to spend time with anybody who wanted to be with him. He hung out with those who were important as well from, from a human standpoint. 
But again, I look at what he did in the example he gave. And, and we have all sorts of denominational uh, sections today in our day and age. And there's a possibility in some of their own eyes that they're first in the kingdom. But, you know, I don't think the Lord <laughs> sees it that way. See, the only time I remember Christ ever looking down on someone was when he was helping them off the ground. You know, I want to tell you something interesting that I heard heard of a pastor who was who visited uh he went to a, an an insane asylum. And as he walked into the main room where where all of the people were, there was one guard guarding a door that was not very secure. And the pastor with concern talked to the security guy and said he said are you at all concerned that these these men might come together and unite to to break through the door and to get out of here. And the guard said pastor I don't think you understand. He says insane people do not unite. And that really gave me something to think about. Because it's true. <laughs> they do not unite. But what does that say about us when people say see us as Christians, as followers, as believers, and we do not unite with one another? Are we in the same category is the question that I had. How do they see us when we do the same thing? See, we're called to abide on the same branch. And if you see a fruit tree with a branch that is in the downward bowing position, the reason for that is because it's, be, it's covered in so much healthy fruit <laughs> that, that it's actually causing it to be bowing downward. And when it's dead, when the fruit is dead, it won't stay on the branch. You know, if we can remember something in serving God... It's that if there's a door that's too small for you, it's probably just your size. See, nobody's, no man or woman's presence is ever too big in God's church, nor should it ever be. Because human ownership is prohibited in God's church. And we, we must remember that the Lord always must be first. Because it's, it's better to be last than to be left behind. And he won't leave you behind. See, the light of a fire never has to be advertised, especially in the darkest places. But there is no greater light than that of our Lord. But he allows us to be a light for him. He allows us to be seen. And he wants us to be seen doing things, but he doesn't want us to be doing things just to be seen. So as you've heard this, and, you, and you've heard this short little powerful example from the Gospel of Mark, and if you want to be a part of our Lord and Savior, if you, want to, if you want to see His face, if you want to enter into His kingdom, I want to give you the opportunity right now to say a simple prayer. And it's a simple prayer of truth, receiving the Lord as your, Christ as your Lord and Savior, for the sake of, of your salvation and for the sake of being with Him in eternity, in His kingdom, which He wants you in. I want to invite you to, to say this prayer and repeat after me in truth. It says, say, 
Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to wash me and cleanse me of all of my sins. Father, I receive you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Lord, for dying for me on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for receiving me. As I receive you as my Father, as my Lord and my Savior. And may I be with you, Lord, when my time is up. So, Father, I love you. I praise you. And I thank you again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I want to congratulate you if you've said that prayer. I want to congratulate you on the greatest decision that you've ever made. So in that, I want to remind you to continue to seek the Lord, to walk with Him, and to stay by His side at all times. Because He's always watching us and He's always with us. But the Bible says to draw near to Him and He'll draw near to us. So may we remember that and may we seek Him in every day of our lives. May God bless and keep you.